Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. forgot to mention the reason I'm sort of dressed up today compared to usual is it's Father's Day. And I always dressed up on Mother's Day to, you know, show love for my mother uh, because she's such a godly woman. And I just seemed the right thing to do. But a few years ago, I think this is the third year now, I started dressing up for my dad, who wasn't even a Christian until he turned 73 and he died when he was 75. But my dad was a man of integrity and he was a hardworking man. And so I learned that from him. Um, I learned that when you don't feel like getting out of bed, just get out of bed. Um, You know, that's pretty much what I learned from my dad. And I learned that if you tell the truth, it hurts less. (laughs) Uh, And uh, so... Those were two important things I learned from my dad. And if that's all I learned from him, it would be worth wearing a suit for him. That, so that's why I do. So I have a question for you. When I say the phrase or the two words, Holy Spirit, what comes to your mind? Do you sort of think of like the force in Star Wars? Do you think of a person? You know, if I say Jesus, everybody thinks of a person, right? Jesus was a person, but he's also God. Many of us believe that he's the son of the living God. And yet, when I say Holy Spirit, we don't automatically think person. And yet, the Holy Spirit is also God. And Jesus said that he's a person. Jesus called him the comforter. Uh, Jesus called him the counselor. And he said that he would not only be with us, but he would live in us. That's a very simple concept. That the God of the universe lives inside of us by the Holy Spirit. And uh, there's a missionary named uh, Johannes Amritz, or he's Swedish, and and he said this. The reason, uh, he says, remember, the simpler the better. And then he says, the reason that many people in the Western world cannot experience Jesus or his supernatural work is because it's too simple. We don't really like simple. And and actually, human beings have never liked simple. I, I don't know if you realize this, but that's not a new thing. 3,000 years ago, there was a man. He was a commander in the Syrian army. His name was Naaman. Naaman had leprosy. And he had a servant girl who was from Israel. And uh, she said, you know, if you would go to Israel, there's a prophet there named Elisha. He could heal you. And and so, of course, I mean, leprosy was a death sentence. And so Naaman went to the king and said, could I go to Israel and visit this prophet and maybe I can get healed? And so on the way, you can just picture Naaman thinking, this is going to be really hard. Man, there's going to have to be some like magic wand or there's going to have to be some spells or I'm going to have to do some kind of obstacle course or something. It's got to be really, really hard. And he took a bunch of silver and a bunch of clothes uh, to pay Elisha for the, you know, for the action, for the healing. And, and, and he gets to Elisha's house and he goes up and sends one of his servants to knock on the door. And he's expecting Elisha to come out in these big flowing robes. And Elisha doesn't come out. He sends out his servant, Gehazi. And Gehazi says, oh, my master says, go down to the Jordan River and dip in it seven times and you'll be healed. And and, Naaman is ticked off. I mean, he's not going to do that. I mean, there are better rivers in Syria than the dirty Jordan River. That's actually what he says. And so he gets back on his horse and he starts riding back to Syria. Well, one of his servants asked him a question. It's a great question. Here's what he says. If the prophet had asked you to do something difficult, would you not have done it? How much more so this? And Naaman realizes, that's a good point. So he rides down to the Jordan River. He dips in it seven times. And we're told that his body became like that of a a young boy, smooth as the skin of a young boy. Simple. You know, it's so simple. But 
we really, you know, especially now, we live in the 21st century. You know, we're people that were brought up in the scientific method. And if it isn't complicated, we're suspect of it. And not only that, most of us not only have been brought up with that kind of complication, we've also been brought up with the trappings of religion. You know what religion is, right? Religion is the human effort to seek God. And so because of that, we have rituals and traditions. And when we do the things that we, the religion tells us to do, we feel good. And when we don't do the things the religion tells us to do, we feel bad. But Jesus didn't come to deepen our religion. Jesus came to reestablish the broken relationship that we had with our Heavenly Father. And he tells us that it happens very simply. And, you know, as a matter of fact, think about how simple it is to come to have a relationship with the living God of the universe. If you have one, you know. All you have to, if you don't have one, here's how it is. It, it says this in, the, in uh, Paul the Apostle's book of Romans. He says this, if anyone confesses with his mouth that Jesus is Lord and believes in his heart that God raised him from the dead, he shall be saved. So simple, you confess. That means to say truthfully with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. That means owner. And believe in your heart, the deepest part of you, that God raised him from the dead, that's all it takes. Simple. But, but again, we, we really think that's too simple, too easy. Not easy. It isn't easy, but it is simple. And, and so we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit today. And what we're going to talk about specifically, we're going to talk about what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because the last two weeks, in this five-week series, we've taken two weeks just to establish the groundwork of the Bible, which says that God was going to send a promise. And the promise is the Holy Spirit. And the day Jesus rose from the dead, he told his apostles, I'm going to send the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit. And then the last day Jesus was on the earth before he went back to heaven, he said once again, I'm going to send the promise of my Father, which is the Holy Spirit. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, remember we read this last week, if you were here, Acts 1, in, in verses, verse 8, he says, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you will receive power. And you will be my witnesses. Once you have the power of the Holy Spirit, the purpose of the power is to go and be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and Dominican Republic, the ends of the earth, right? Wherever, Saxonburg, Pittsburgh, Hamburg, there's one, Germany, right? Okay, all over the world we're supposed to go, but not until we have the Holy Spirit. So what's that have to do with us in 2017? Everything. Because the same God who was God in the year 33-ish A.D. is still the same God who's the God today. And he still has the same process. And what we're going to talk about today is that we not only need to be baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit once, but it needs to happen over and over and over and over again. And uh, in fact, we're going to read that from the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Before we do that, I want to tell you what the take-home point is for today. If you're new... The take-home point is the one point that we want you to go home with. I want to go home with it myself and think about it, pray about it, and live it out in the week ahead. And here it is. Each of us needs to be filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit on an ongoing basis. Each of us needs to be filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit on an ongoing basis. Would you say that out loud with me? Each of us needs to be filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit on an ongoing basis. Now... We're going to read this passage from Ephesians chapter 5, a letter that Paul wrote to a church in a place called Ephesus, uh, from two different translations, from the New International Version and New Living Translation. Uh, we usually read the New Living Translation here because it's a, it's a I, I guess I would use a more understandable translation. Um, but because it's a short passage and because each of the passages give us a little nuance of what the original Greek said, we're going to read them both. So it says this uh, first. So be careful how you live, not as fools but as those who are wise, 
Make the most of every opportunity for doing good in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but try to understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, let the Holy Spirit fill and control you. That's the key. Then you will sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, making music to the Lord in your hearts. And you will always give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now the NIV says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, but which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, we thank you for these simple words of truth that when we live our lives in the power of your Holy Spirit, they're wise. When we live our lives in the power of your Holy Spirit, we are changed from the inside out. There's joy that we can't have any other way, and there's gratitude that we can't have any other way. So God, we pray that right now, that these words would become true for us today in the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would enliven our spirits so that we can live these words faithfully to your glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. So, the key statement is in the middle of verse 18 that we want to look at today. Instead, let the Holy Spirit fill and control you, or instead, be filled with the Spirit. Would you agree that that's a simple command? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Pretty simple, isn't it? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. So, the question is, is this for everybody? Is this for people who are not yet believers? Who's it for? And if you follow along in your outline, and there's an outline in the connection, it looks like this and has some blanks, and if you want to fill it out, the first statement after the take-home point says this, the people Paul told to be filled with the Holy Spirit were already believers. This is an important thing. You can't really tell that. If we had no context, be filled with the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't know if Paul was writing to unbelievers or believers. But if we go back to the beginning of the letter and look at the salutation in verses 1 to 3, this is what it says. This letter is from Paul, chosen by God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. And then it says, it is written to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May grace and peace be yours, sent to you from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. So who's it written to? To God's holy people in Ephesus who are what? Faithful followers of Jesus Christ. They're already believers. It's a very important point. These faithful believers are supposed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's important because we have already received the Holy Spirit if Jesus Christ is our Savior and Lord because there's only one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We get the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But Paul is telling these believers who already obviously had God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you need more of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so do we. So what is the take-home point for today? Each of us needs to be filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit on an ongoing basis. So as we look at Ephesians 5.18, we see something else, that being filled with the Holy Spirit is an ongoing reality, and that is not intuitively obvious. If I say stop smoking, stop smoking, you don't know if I mean you have a cigarette in your mouth right now and you've got to put that out one time. Or if I mean you have a cigarette in your mouth, and you've got to put it out and don't ever smoke again. You don't know what I mean in English because stop smoking could mean stop smoking once, or it could mean just stop smoking and don't smoke anymore. But in Greek, we always know 
Because the, the tense of the verb tells us and the, the mood of the verb tells us whether it's continuous or whether it's point action. Well, this is a present passive imperative. The word is pleirousta, and I don't usually go into Greek verbs and all that, especially when I'm trying to be simple. But the only way to know what Paul meant is to understand what the verb means. It's a present passive imperative. Present. Present means ongoing. So if I said to you in Greek, stop smoking in the present, that would mean don't smoke anymore. All right? If I say be filled with the Holy Spirit in the present, that means be filled with the Holy Spirit, be filled with the Holy Spirit, be, on, oh, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, the second thing, it's a passive. This is interesting. Uh-oh. Look at this bottle. It's empty. And this bottle represents you or it represents me. And it's empty. And the passive tense says be filled. It doesn't say fill yourself. Right? It doesn't say fill yourself with the Holy Spirit. The actor is the Holy Spirit. But, but look, what's, what's the problem? How can, how, why can I not fill this bottle? Does anybody know why? It has a cap on it, yes. So if I have a cap on my life and God tells me to be filled with the Holy Spirit, then what do I have to do? I have to take the cap off. So that's all I can do. The passive means all I can do is open myself. So now this bottle is open with the Holy Spirit no, this bottle's empty of the Holy Spirit. This is the Holy Spirit, okay? <laughs> Pretty simple. Doesn't look like a science experiment, does it, Sean? Okay, so, so anyway, I'm pouring this with my right arm. You know, this is amazing. Everybody who knows me knows I'm left-handed. So is God, you know, because Jesus... <laughs> what? I can prove it. Jesus is sitting on the right hand of God. Okay, so anyway... Actually, I did that pretty good with my right hand. I didn't spill hardly a drop this time. But this is now filled up. It's a command. We are commanded to be being filled with the Holy Spirit. If we're followers of Jesus Christ, this is not an option. It's, it's a command. It's an imperative. And here's what happens in our lives. Whenever life squeezes us, you see what happens? Now, it looks like the Holy Spirit's leaking. That's where all analogies sort of break down. The Holy Spirit doesn't leak. We do. The Holy Spirit doesn't leak. We do. In fact, I can prove that biblically because in Corinthians, Paul says that we have the treasure in earthen vessels. The treasure of God is in earthen vessels, which means there's little cracks here and there and it leaks out. So we, because we leak, we need to be filled over and over again with the Holy Spirit. And that's what Paul is saying here. And I can prove from a, from a person in Scripture um, that we all know very well, if, if we've ever read the Bible very much, um, that he was filled over and over again with the Holy Spirit. And, and, and his name's Peter. Peter was an apostle of Jesus, and after Jesus rose from the dead, you know, Peter was one of the ones who was there when Jesus said, wait until you receive the power of the Holy Spirit, the promise, and, and then you're going to go. And, and so on the day of Pentecost, which happens in Acts chapter 2, what happened is all the believers on the planet, there were only 120 at that time, they all were baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit. The interesting thing is Jesus says in Acts 1, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But in the Greek, when you read Acts chapter 2, it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, anyway, all 120, Peter included, were filled with the Holy Spirit. And Peter spoke boldly on the day of Pentecost. Well, then a few days or a few weeks later, we don't really know the timeline, but in Acts chapter 3, so it's not very long after that, Peter and John went to the temple to pray one afternoon. And as they're on their way into the temple, there's this guy there who's lame. He can't walk. And he's reaching out his hands asking for alms, for gifts. It's the only way he can have, make a living in the, that culture. And so Peter looks at him, and the guy looks at him, and he goes, all right, I'm going to get some money. And Peter says, I don't have any money. And the guy probably goes, 
Then he says, silver and gold I have none, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. And immediately, this guy who has not walked in decades stands up. And he doesn't just walk, man. He says in the scriptures, he walked and leaped and praised God. So he's jumping around, walking and leaping and praising God. And, and as he's doing that, he starts to attract a crowd. And everybody's going, isn't that that guy that used to sit out there, couldn't walk? And he's like, yeah, this is a guy that couldn't walk. And now Peter, he starts preaching again. And what he says is, you know, Jesus, the guy you crucified, God raised him from the dead, and it's in the name of Jesus that this guy is walking. And the religious leaders come along, and they go, that is not what happened. That is too simple. That is way too simple. Number one, people don't just stand up and walk because somebody says the name of Jesus. Number two, he's dead. We killed him. And you can't be telling us that he's alive again because people who are dead don't come back to life. It's, it just can't be. So here's what we're going to do. The religious leaders have this authority. They take Peter and John. They put them in jail. And it's late afternoon by this time, right? So they put them in jail overnight. So all night long they're in jail, and it gives them a chance to think about their actions. You know, have you ever had time out? It's sort of like time out. Think about the consequences of what you're doing here, boys. So the next morning they bring them out to in front of this High Court of the Jews, the Sanhedrin is called, and they, they stand up in front of, you know, Peter and John, and the, the leader says, we want to know what name it was, that, how'd you do this? And so look what Peter says. This is, this is really cool. It, it's in Acts chapter 4, verse 8 and following, it says this, then Peter, look what it says, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple, huh, I, I, Tell us again why we're in front of you. We healed a guy who couldn't walk. and that, how, Why is that bad? Do you see what they're saying? We don't get this. this is, we don't understand why we're here. But anyway, if we're being asked why we, or how we healed this, then he says, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Now, did you notice what it said in verse 8? Peter Filled with the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. Now he was filled with the Holy Spirit again so he could talk to these guys. And then after he gives this little speech, then the guys say to him, you got to shut up. You can't talk about Jesus anymore. The Sanhedrin is really upset. Peter and John, you just got to stop. And then they say, we can't. You know, if we have a choice between listening to you or listening to God, we're going to listen to God. So then the Sanhedrin says, Man, what are we going to do? Because this guy's, it's obvious that the healed guy is standing right next to Peter. So we know that there's, we can't say that it wasn't a miracle. And then they said, you realize who these guys are, right? They never went to seminary. They never went to college. We're not even sure they went to high school. But they were hanging out with Jesus. In fact, the word, the word in Greek, what these guys were called, idiotes. I think you probably can figure out what English word comes from that. Okay, these guys weren't real sharp, according to, it just means every, everyday common guy, all right? But now they could do all this stuff because of Jesus. So they say, okay, you go out and don't you ever talk about Jesus again. So here's what happened. Peter and John, they got filled with the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. You know, Peter gets filled with the Holy Spirit again in front of the Sanhedrin. Now they go back to all the believers, and they're telling them about what happened. You know, we got arrested because we healed this guy, and then they told us not to talk about Jesus, and we said we're going to all keep talking about Jesus, and now they told us don't talk about Jesus. So look, 
What would you do? You're, you're in this group. Let's say we're the group of believers, right? And, 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 you know, I'm Peter, and where's John? Okay, Brad's John. Okay, Peter and John, we come in and we say, look, we were just told we've got to stop, you know, talking about Jesus so much and healing people that are sick and stuff. We can't do that anymore. So would you say, hmm, maybe it's a little, little touchy out there right now. Why don't we sort of just have a prayer meeting? Why, why don't we just have a couple classes? Why don't we, you know, do some stuff with the children? Maybe just sort of ease off for a couple months till it, you know, lightens up a little bit. And that's not what they did. In fact, they start praying. And they start reminding God. It's sort of funny. They start reminding God who he is. And then as they finish up the prayer, this is what they say. They say, in, they're praying to God, okay? Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Do you get the gist of this prayer? These guys aren't quitting. In fact, it reminds me of the movie, The Remember the Titans. Have you ever seen the movie, Remember the Titans? It's a movie about this uh, school in Virginia that had been integrated back in the 70s. The year before, it was a black school and a white school. Now it's an integrated school. And where it impacts the first is in the football team because they have to go to football camp in the summertime. And it used to be black football camp and white football camp. Now it's mixed football camp. And they don't like each other very much, but they figure out how to like each other. And they work together and they have a goal that they're going to be a perfect football team. And the last day of practice, they're out there. They're all working together. And they're pretty tired because it's hot, you know, middle of the summer. And the coaches say, to them, have you had enough? And they say, we want some more, we want some more, we want some more. And that's exactly what Peter and the, the apostles were saying. <laughs> you know, we were just arrested, Jesus. God, look, we were just arrested because we raised somebody up in the name of Jesus, and then they told us to shut up, and we don't want to shut up. We don't want to stop going out and telling people about Jesus everywhere. We're going to go everywhere there is any place to go. We're going to do it, but we need some help. We want some more. We want some more. And here's what it says. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were what? all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So they were filled on the Holy, with the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. The, Peter was filled again uh, in front of the Sanhedrin. And now all of them are filled again with the Holy Spirit here at this situation. So what it tells us is, be being filled with the Holy Spirit is right. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit over and over and over again. And uh, each of us needs to be filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit on an ongoing basis. Acts 4 makes that, that clear. And the command of Ephesians 5.18 is lived out. Even though it's written after, you know, the example is before the situation. But what Paul is saying, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, then you need, and I need, we all need, to be filled over and over again with the Holy Spirit. So when that happens, the, the result, this is sort of the last point for today, the result of being filled with the Holy Spirit is a deeper intimacy with God. Now, when I say a deeper intimacy with God, I'm not talking about mushy, touchy-feely stuff. I'm talking about closer to God. I'm talking about that relationship that was broken by Adam and Eve through sin and that we continue to break through our sin, the, re the relationships that reestablished by the blood of Jesus being poured out on the cross and that is, you know, changed in a internally for us whenever the Holy Spirit works in our lives, this is what we're talking about. This kind of intimacy grows. And how will we know? How will we know? Well, Paul tells us. He says this in verses 19 and 20. Then you will sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves 
making music to the Lord in your hearts. And you will always give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So when we have the Holy Spirit in our lives, what happens is, and we're filled up with the Holy Spirit, is we start to have this internal praise service going on. We start to sing, and it says psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. It's not talking about Christian lyrics. I mean, there might be Christian lyrics, but what really, there might not even be words. We might have new words because that's what happened when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Or we might have no words, which is what it says in Romans chapter 8. It says sometimes the Holy Spirit intercedes in groanings. It's just too deep for words. But the point is, when we're filled up with the Holy Spirit, we connect with God. Our spirit connects with the Holy Spirit, connects with God. And we have this ongoing dialogue. And then the other thing that happens is we give thanks to God for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here, I have a question for you. Are you happy today or are you miserable? Are you close to God or far away from him? Now, if you're far away from God and you're miserable and you're ungrateful, you might have God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit in your life. You might be saved. I know lots of people like that. They've trusted Jesus a long time ago. But they go around acting like they lost their best friend. I do it sometimes. Haven't you ever been miserable? I mean, <laughs> I'm a follower of Jesus. Heck, I was miserable a couple days ago. Not for a couple days, but for a little bit, right? We get miserable and we get ungrateful when the Holy Spirit is emptying out. And that's why you may be different than me. But every day, you know, first thing when I'm praying, after I praise God for who he is and wait on God and, and confess my sins, I ask him to fill me up. And see what I just did? I put my hands up like this. I put my hands up like this when I ask God to fill me up for a simple reason. It looks like a funnel to me. Plus, you know, a funnel, like, right? Exactly like this. And, and the other thing is, when you talk like this, you know, I could say praise God like this, but if I go praise God, I, it's all, it, there's just this connection between my posture and my being. So I want all of God there is when I get filled up. So I will do this sometimes. If you ever follow me around, I, I said this at the last service, and I realized it was the wrong thing to say, but I'll say it again. I said, if you followed me around, if you followed me around, around all day, you might think I was weird. <laughs> uh, you probably would think I was weird anyway. But, I mean, there will be times where I'll be just out in my yard, and I'll just go like this. And I'll ask God to fill me up with the Holy Spirit. And every morning when I ask God to fill me up with my Holy Spirit, I'm walking on my little elliptical thing. And, man, it's dangerous, but I still don't care, you know, because I want God to fill me with the Holy Spirit. Now, sometimes when I'm in the grocery store in line and the people have 14 items in a 10-item thing, you know, then I don't raise my hands then. I just ask God to fill me up with the Holy Spirit, okay? So, so the point is, the point is, if I'm un ungrateful or I'm miserable or that lady can't count, <laughs> I say, fill me up with the Holy Spirit. Fill me, and see how I, I just, it's sort of like I can't like keep my hands down, you know. Fill me up with the Holy Spirit. And, and that's what this scripture is all about. And so what we've been talking about in this series, the Holy Spirit, deeper, not weirder. And the reason that we've taken three weeks to get to this point, you know, where we're going to be praying for God to baptize us and fill us with the Holy Spirit is because, you know, we're sophisticated people and we're, you know, we, we like to take it slow. We could have done this the first week. But I just didn't want everybody to be weirded out, you know. So we've been working our way little by little by little by little. And so here's the commitment for today. The commitment is... I will open myself to being filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit on an ongoing basis. 
So today we're going to do that here. And how are we going to do that? Well, I'll tell you how we're not going to do it. Like, I'm not going to say, Rob, come up here on stage. And I'm not going to go, hoo! Okay? I've seen that before. And actually, I've seen people get healed. And I've seen people get filled up with the Holy Spirit that way. But that's not how we do it here at New Life. Because that's weird. You know? And I, I know that it can work. But I know that it can also just be weird. So that's not what we're going to do. Um, what we're going to do is actually, I'm just going to walk down here among you. And I'm not even going to ask you to come up today. <laughs> I'm coming to you. Because I want you to understand something. What we're doing right now, you can do this. You can do this at home. <laughs> okay, in fact, you need to do it at home. You need to do it in the grocery line, especially when that lady's in front of you. You know, you need to do it whenever the guy's driving down the road like an idiot. Maybe it's probably me. But anyway, you know, so the bottom line is this can be done everywhere, and it's supposed to be. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not something that's just for church. And that's what so many times we think we have to wait till the special four-year time where the cycle comes back again so we can get baptized in the Holy Spirit or filled with the Holy Spirit. No, 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 no. You can only be baptized with the Holy Spirit once. Paul says there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And that baptism I don't think is the water baptism. I think it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But, you know, there's other people that disagree with me about that, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. But anyway... Um, but after you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, you need to be, I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit every day, lots of times every day. And so what we're going to do is three things. I'm going to, well, four things, because the first thing is I'm going to ask you to stand up if you can, but don't write, do that yet, okay? Then the second thing is, stand up is first. Second thing is, if you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior and Lord, I'm going to ask you to do that if you want to. The third thing we're going to do is if anybody here has never been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you want to, I'm going to ask you to let God do that. And if you want to be filled up with the Holy Spirit again, I'm going to ask you to let God do that. So it's pretty simple. <laughs> Not pretty simple. That's just as simple as it gets, right? So if you're able, would you please stand? And so it'll make it a little less weird for everybody. If you want to, close your eyes, okay? Actually, why don't we close our eyes? Okay, so if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord before, in other words, Lord means Master or owner, if you've never done that and you want him to be Lord, Savior means he saved you from sin and death. If that's never happened in your life before, then, and you want to, would you just raise your hand and let me see that, that you want him to be Lord and Savior in your life? If it's never before, just raise your hand if you want him to. Okay. Okay. Thank you. You can raise, let your hand back down. When the service is over, if you just raise your hand to ask Jesus to become your Savior and Lord, I'd like you to come and talk to me, okay? I'm not special, but I do have some understanding about some things that I want to tell you about. So, um, and if, if you would fill out that connection card, if you didn't already turn it in, that would be good. The second group of people is those who have never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, as we talked about, you know, for the last several weeks. But simply what it means is that extra moment in our lives you already have the Holy Spirit if Jesus is your Savior and Lord. In fact, those of you who raise your hands, if you want the Holy Spirit to come in and you haven't yet trusted Jesus, so here's what you do. You say, Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner and I surrender my life to you. And right now I ask you to become my Lord, my Savior, my owner. And I ask you to take all of you and bring yourself into me by your Spirit. Okay, so now we're all on the same page that want to be. 
So now if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Word of God says simply this on the day of Pentecost, you know, the Holy Spirit came. You know, Peter was preaching to Cornelius and the Holy Spirit fell. And Paul put his hands on, you know, these Ephesian guys and the Holy Spirit came. So there's this sense in which the Holy Spirit comes. And as I said to you um, a couple of weeks ago, when it happened to me, the guy prayed for me for half an hour and nothing happened. And then I went home and just said, God, if you're going to do it, would you just, you know, get it over with? And he did. So right now, uh, if you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, would you raise your hand? If that's what you want for your life right now, would you raise your hand? Okay. And would you put your hand back down right now? And let's pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray for each person who just had their hand raised. I pray that right now in the name of your son Jesus, that the promise that you gave 2,000 years ago that's been available to every believer since then would come to their life. God, I pray that you would make it evident to them that they would know that, that when they open their heart to you, when they open their spirit to you, that they now have a way of communicating with you they never did before. And God, I pray that they would have the assurance of that baptism in their life. And now if you uh, want to be filled again with, your, with the Holy Spirit, if you want to be filled again, would you raise your hand? You already have the Holy Spirit. Yeah, raise both hands. That would be a good idea because that's the way it should be. Okay, so, and you just, let's leave our hands up. And if you, uh, if you want to have the Holy Spirit in your life uh, and you just prayed for baptism, raise your hands too. Let's pray now with our hands raised to God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And right now we pray that you would fill us again. We take the lid off of our lives, the cap off, Lord. We open ourselves to you. And we pray that you would pour yourself into us. We pray that you would be glorified in our lives this week. It's not... We don't want your spirit for our blessing. We want your spirit so that we can have the power to go to all the world and preach your gospel so that we can have the power that we need to help our loved ones and our friends and, yes, ourselves, um, so that you can be glorified in every moment of our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.